There we go. There we go. Yes. Okay. These are Trump's final days. I'm David Feldman, and this is the mop up. Donald Trump was arrested Thursday for the third time in six months, and he was arrested. He was arrested. Trump is reportedly upset because during his arraignment on Thursday, the judge did not refer to him as Mr. President. People close to him, and by close to him, I mean those who leak to the press because they don't give a rat's ass about Donald Trump since he's an abusive monster and they're just taking the money. People who are close to Donald Trump say this is the angriest Donald Trump has ever been, even angrier than two days ago when the manager of the McDonald's near his Bedminster, New Jersey golf course regretted to inform him that once again, the ice cream machine is broken. He's even angrier than the broken ice cream machine at the McDonald's in Bedminster, New Jersey. The big takeaway for me, at least, is Trump was hidden from sight on Thursday. We didn't get any iconic photographs of the rebel commander in chief. He didn't proudly walk the red carpet, stand in front of a bank of microphones. He didn't meet the reporters and proclaim, I fear nobody. He showed up and quietly got himself arrested, arraigned, and then released by the federal magistrate. That suggests a little less bravado, doesn't it? It's beginning to dawn on him, perhaps, that this isn't the court of public opinion. This is an actual court, and there are serious consequences. Also, there are those who were in the courtroom, and they say that Trump was subdued. He looked over and saw special counsel Jack Smith and then quickly averted his eyes. Far different from the scene during Trump's arraignment in Miami for mishandling classified documents, where reportedly special counsel Jack Smith was in the courtroom stink eyeing Donald Trump and Trump looked back, but he blinked. Trump looked away. This time around, we're hearing reports that Donald Trump was in no mood for special counsel Jack Smith's stink eye. Observers say of all Donald Trump's court appearances, and there are way too many to count, this is the most ill at ease Donald Trump has ever been walking into a courtroom. And it kind of makes sense. He has never been more alone. I'll go over this. I've been talking about how he is completely alone for the first time in his life. He is alone. And I have to caution myself as well as you not to fall prey to feeling sorry for Donald Trump because he is the quintessential abusive man. And the final arrow in the quiver of every abusive man is making you feel sorry for him. They make you feel bad about being a bully. Now, we're not quite there yet. I don't want to get what is it called being getting ahead of myself on the skis? Is that a cliche? Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. There's no guarantee that he's going to be convicted. He is a sociopath. And he's toxic. His last move, his last move will be making us 
feel sorry for him. Do not fall for it. And again, we're a long way from that. But things happen very quickly. Things, what's, what did Lenin say? Things happen, uh, take decades. What's the expression? Things happen, take decades to happen and then happen overnight. I just screwed that. Correct me in the comments section. There's a famous quote from Lenin. Things happen gradually and then all of a sudden. I think that's what it is. And so this, you know, by December, this, this could all be over for Donald Trump. And I will lay out how I think uh, I, I will catastrophize for us the worst case scenario for Donald Trump. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come true, but it's kind of pornography for me. Just uh, playing out my fantasies, how this all ends for Donald Trump. One of the talking points for Trump apologists is that Jack Smith is indicting Donald Trump for merely exercising his, his First Amendment rights. I talked about this yesterday. I think it's funny. But here's what longtime apologist, Attorney General Bill Barr, former Attorney General Bill Barr, I mean, he was a professional Donald Trump apologist. Here's what Bill Barr, of all people, said after Thursday's arraignment about the First Amendment excuse. As the indictment says, I'm quoting Attorney General Bill Barr, as the indictment says, they are not attacking his First Amendment right. He can say whatever he wants. He can lie. That's what I pointed this out in the, when I was going over the indictment. Jack Smith said a president is free to use his First Amendment rights to lie. He can even tell this is what Bill Barr said. He can even tell people that the election was stolen when he knew better, all protected by the First Amendment. But entering into a conspiracy that is different. Having criminal intent to engage in election fraud is not protected, he said, by the First Amendment. Everybody knows that, even the people on Fox News who are saying that, but they're earning their salary. Then Bill Barr, and you got to remember, this is this was they used to call Bill Barr Donald Trump's personal attorney. He was the attorney general of the United States, and he was brought in to protect Donald Trump from Robert Mueller. So when this comes out of Bill Barr's mouth, it's significant. When asked if he knew he lost the election, Bill Barr said, at first, I wasn't sure, but I have come to believe he knew well that he lost the election. And that's really important because if he knew he lost the election, but conspired, nevertheless, that proves criminal intent. He is all alone. There is nobody, nobody who is going to testify and say that uh, I honestly believe Donald Trump thought he won the election. Everybody knows, everybody's going to testify that he knew he had lost. That's criminal intent. I'll get to more of Trump's arrest, but we have an interesting story that broke um, late Thursday evening, right after the arrest. Um, that's uh, John Eastman on the left. 
Uh, Lawyers for Attorney John Eastman have confirmed that he is, in fact, the person identified as co-conspirator number two in Tuesday's four count indictment charging Donald Trump with conspiring to overturn the 2020 presidential election. So his lawyers have confirmed that he is, in fact, co-conspirator number two. He has not been indicted yet. Harvey Silvergate, Eastman's lawyer, told CNN late Thursday that he is sending a memo to special counsel Jack Smith, notifying him that Eastman will not cooperate. Eastman will not make an immunity deal. And if indicted, Eastman will go to trial. So I don't have time to go into what this really means. I may have to do an extra episode over the weekend uh, about anyway, uh, this is important. It really is. And if you want to begin to understand why John Eastman refusing to cooperate with Jack Smith is so important, I suggest you listen to the last 30 minutes of yesterday's show. It's confusing. I, I I'm clearly going off the deep end, but I try to explain what the new talking points will be for Trump's attorneys and his apologists. I suggest you go back and listen to the last half hour of yesterday's program. Uh, I I am beginning to see how Trump is going to offer up a defense and. Essentially, he's going to claim he's a victim of bad lawyering, but it's deeper than that. Uh, at first, that's what his lawyers are going to claim. It's, it's bogus. He shopped all over America to find the only five lawyers who would help him try to steal an election. Every other lawyer said no. And now he's claiming he's the victim of bad lawyering. Listen to the last half hour of yesterday's show. I'm all over the map. It's a little confusing, but I kind of spell out how I think Trump's attorneys will offer up a defense, a bogus, a def- bogus defense, but the only defense I think that they have. Uh, anyway, on Thursday before a federal magistrate inside a Washington, D.C. courtroom, former President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to defraud the United States, not guilty to conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, not guilty to obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, not guilty to a gauge in a conspiracy against people's rights, people's rights to vote. Trump literally voiced the words not guilty His lawyers could have said it for him like they did in the courtroom for the previous indictments on mishandling classified documents. Down in Miami, it was his lawyers who said not guilty. The fact that Trump spoke suggests, at least to me, that he's alpha dogging his lawyers. He's angry with them. He's saying, I'll do all the talking. And as we know, When Trump does all the talking, he loses. If he does all the talking, he's going to prison. He is going to prison because he can't help himself. It has been reported that uh, at first he thought it would be a good idea to stay away from those debates. Later this month, we have our first 2024 presidential debates 
at the end of the month. And Trump has been posturing and saying, I'm not going to show up. It's a waste of time. But he can't help himself. And after being notified that a new set of indictments were coming down, Trump met with the heads of Fox News, who apparently sweet talked him. This is the New York Times is reporting this. The heads of Fox News came to Bedminster, New Jersey, met him at his golf club and kind of said, you know, you should participate in August's debate. Uh, Fox has not confirmed that he will show up. But the fact that Trump was the one who said on Thursday, not guilty, Your Honor, it suggests that Trump thinks he and only he can pull himself out of this legal morass, which means he can't help himself. I suspect he's clamoring to show up at the debates, but his lawyers are doing everything they can to talk him out of it. The last thing Trump's lawyers want is Trump to talk in court, take the witness stand, right? Because he'll perjure as well as incriminate himself. And the last thing Trump's lawyers want is for Trump taking the debate stage this month. Because as I pointed out earlier this week, Chris Christie is waiting for him. Chris Christie former governor of New Jersey, but more importantly, he is a former federal prosecutor. He sent Jared Kushner's daddy to prison. He trained Trump how to debate. He was Trump's debate partner back in 2020. That's how Chris Christie contracted COVID and almost died. He knows how to rattle Trump because he knows how to debate Trump. He's already done it. He will get, because he's a former prosecutor, a U.S. prosecutor, he will get Trump to incriminate himself during the debates. He will get Trump to say something that will hold up in court. The same way Trump incriminated himself during the last CNN town hall when he once again defamed E. Jean Carroll, the woman he raped, and He defamed her again, which provided more evidence for her second lawsuit against him. These things, as I pointed out earlier in the week, what you say at a town hall or on a debate stage can be used as material evidence against you. Uh, So Trump is torn right now. His ego is telling him I need to get my arms around this legal morass. I need to go to that debate and take on Chris Christie. It's in front of an audience. And Trump, when he's in front of an audience, plays to the crowd. And when you play to the crowd, you're going to incriminate yourself. So I'm convinced that the only thing that will keep Trump from going to prison is keeping quiet. But he can't. He lacks the impulse control. Again, I don't know if Trump shows up for the debate. I have a feeling his lawyers are going to tell him our job, Mr. President, is to keep you out of prison, not get you elected president. And if you testify or show up for that debate, 
you will incriminate yourself. That's what he's being told. I have to believe on advice of counsel, he's not going to show up for the debates. But that would mean that Trump would have to admit to himself that he's in real trouble, trouble he can't handle all by himself, trouble that makes him dependent on others. And Donald Trump, we, we've all had bosses like that, right? He does not want to depend on anybody. He creates chaos in every work situation. So only he can be the alpha dog. So he he's not going to trust the lawyers. I don't know. If I had a bet, I wouldn't go to the Taj Mahal or any of Trump's casinos because I'd contract bed bugs. But if I had a bet, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, right before the first debate, there is a distinct possibility that Donald Trump will be indicted for election interference by Fawny Willis, the Fulton County, Georgia DA, which means before that first debate, he will have been arrested four times this year. Four times. This will be his fourth arrest. And it looks like Fawny Willis is about to arrest him. Now, his lawyers are going to say, once again, don't debate. But after his fourth arrest coming up, uh, Trump's survival instinct has to be telling him, forget these criminal trials. All I have to do is get elected president and my legal problems disappear along with the Justice Department and the United States Constitution. I mean, that's what he's thinking, that that the the legal morass becomes moot once he gets elected president. He's thinking, I have to believe this, that the only way I'm going to get elected is by showing up at those debates and mowing down the competition. I'm not going to listen to my lawyers. I and only I alone can save me. What do you think? Leave a comment. I'm, I, 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 I really don't know if he's going to show up. Chris Christie, he will get Trump to incriminate himself. But the very thing that incriminates Trump on that debate stage will also be the thing that might get him elected president. And getting elected president is the only thing, only thing that keeps him out of prison. Joining Trump in the courtroom Thursday were his two attorneys, John Lauro and Todd Blanche. Let's see how long they continue to work for him. During the arraignment, and this was somewhat pathetic because reportedly there was a glint in Trump's eye. He was trying to charm the judge, some think. During the arrangement, the arraignment, the judge asked Trump to state his age. And Trump said 77. Not 77, he said 77, which also happens to be what Don Jr. pours into his cereal every morning. Seven and seven. The judge then asked Trump if he had taken any substances or medications in the past day, to which Trump said no. Really? How great would it have been if the judge mistook Donald Trump for a black man and demanded a mandatory 
drug test. If a black man, if a black politician behaved as erratically as Donald Trump does, the first thing the judge would have done Thursday afternoon is order a mandatory drug test. And if they found anything, illegal drugs or legal drugs, he'd be locked up for lying to the judge when he said, no, your honor, I'm not taking any medications. Whatever if they found legal drugs or illegal drugs in Donald Trump's system, if he were black, the judge would have locked him up for lying, for misleading the, the court. Now, look, I know that they don't normally order a drug test during an arraignment unless the defendant is behaving irrationally. If the defendant is a threat to himself or the community. Well, if Donald Trump were black, if he were South Carolina Republican Tim Scott or Florida Republican Byron Donalds, those black Republicans, the judge would have looked up, saw that they were black and said, pee into this cup. If I were the judge, just out of curiosity, wouldn't you want to conduct a surprise test to see what's in Donald Trump's urine? How interesting would that be to put Donald Trump's urine under the microscope? What's in his urine? Adderall? Pro-psychotic medication? I have a feeling he's being prescribed pro, not anti, pro-psychotic medication. During a 27-minute hearing, prosecutors from Jack Smith's office did not request a pretrial detention. Of course, why would you? I mean, who would think anyone who owns a private jet could end up being a flight risk? Trump was warned not to speak to any of the witnesses in this case, and that's too late. Uh, because all the witnesses have flipped. The only, I can assure you, the only witnesses who haven't flipped are the six co-conspirators named in the indictment. Uh, and they have yet to be indicted. The next hearing in this trial is scheduled for August 28th. That would be days after the first Republican presidential debate. And Trump was told that he does not have to attend that proceeding. When this trial starts, it will be presided over by Judge Tanya Chutkin, a judge that, as I pointed out yesterday, Donald Trump is going to hate. She is a woman. She is an immigrant. She is an immigrant from Jamaica. She is black. She was appointed by Barack Obama. That's every that checks off every box on Donald Trump's hate list. She is already being vilified by Republicans who have spent the past three years comparing January 6th to the Black Lives Matter protests after the murder of George Floyd. But Judge Chutkin doesn't put up with that crap. Judge Chutkin knows that comparing January 6th to Black Lives Matter protests is a damnable lie, a damnable lie that you hear every night 
on Fox News and out of the mouths of every fascist Republican. Here is what Judge Tanya Chutkin warned from the bench while sentencing other January 6th defendants who were found guilty in her courtroom and who made the mistake of comparing their own actions inside the Capitol to Black Lives Matter protesters. Here's what she said to them. Quote, to compare the actions of people around the country protesting, she's talking about Black Lives Matter protesters, to compare the actions of people around the country protesting, mostly peacefully, for civil rights, to compare them to a violent mob seeking to overthrow the lawfully elected government is a false equivalency and downplays the very real danger that the crowd on January 6th posed to our democracy. That's the judge who will be presiding over this case. He got lucky with Eileen Cannon because he appointed her and she's the judge in Miami presiding over the uh, mishandling of classified documents. Uh, I don't think he's going to get away with too much from Judge Tanya, Tanya Chutkin. And she likes these trials to move very quickly. She reportedly does not put up with lawyers who try to play out the clock. For the record, and uh, I will repeat the truth until the racists on Fox News and the racists in the Republican Party stop repeating the lie. Right. They, they learn from Joseph Goebbels. If you repeat a lie over and over again, eventually people think it's true. So I'm just going to be repeating the truth over and over again about Black Lives Matter protests. Despite what you hear on Fox News and out of the mouths of race, racist, fascist Republicans, Black Lives Matter protests were entirely, entirely peaceful. Study after study, including studies conducted by The New York Times and The Washington Post, prove conclusively that all Black Lives Matter protests were peaceful until the cops showed up. Indeed, it was the actions of the police during the Black Lives Matter protests that proved the entire point of staging Black Lives Matter protests, the behavior of the cops was proof of why we needed Black Lives Matter protests. Here in Manhattan, I talked about this two weeks ago, last month here in Manhattan, Black Lives Matter protesters were awarded the largest police brutality class action settlement ever paid out to protesters in American history. And it would have been even larger but New York City cops showed up to the Black Lives Matter protests with their badge numbers covered, wearing face masks, so they were impossible to identify. It was a police riot. It was a police riot. Yes, the Black Lives Matter protests did get violent, not because of the Black Lives Matter protests, because of the police. Go to the New York Times or the Washington Post, read the studies, watch the timelines of these protests, watch the videos of New York City police using their squad cars 
to ram into peaceful protesters, indiscriminately pepper spraying and clubbing women and the elderly. You saw the old man up in Buffalo, New York, getting knocked to the ground. Yes, there was looting, but that wasn't sanctioned by Black Lives Matter protesters. It was outside agitators, many of whom, if not most, were white. It was a white guy who burned down the police precinct in Minneapolis. When there are protests and when the police are engaging in a police riot, that's an opportunity for looting because potential criminals say, hey, look, the the police are having a temper tantrum. Let's go loot. That's the truth. That is the truth. What happened during 2020 was a police riot. You think Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, is an outlier? Are you kidding me? The riots you saw in 2020 were a police riot. Black Lives Matter had nothing to do with it other than exercising their First Amendment right to protest. How many businesses were looted by the owners of those businesses taking advantage of a police riot to collect some insurance? How many fires were set by Antifa protesters wearing government issued shiny black shoes, suggesting they were posing as Antifa protesters? You think the government doesn't spy on, a, on Black Lives Matter protesters? We've already learned in May of this year that the FBI was unlawfully spying on Black Lives Matter protesters. You don't think there were agent provocateurs with shiny government issued shoes trying to turn a Black Lives Matter protest into a honeypot, a sting operation, tricking peaceful activists into breaking the law? And when they wouldn't, they took it upon themselves to make it look like it was Black Lives Matter protesters setting fire to garbage cans. You know, there's an old saying in the Communist Party. You can tell who the FBI spies are in the room. They're the only ones stupid enough to pay the dues. Isn't that great? If you were in the Communist Party back in the 1950s, they say a surefire way to tell who the FBI agents were was to find out who was paying dues. So I am sick of these lies about Black Lives Matter. And I'm also sick of hearing about Antifa. Antifa doesn't exist. The head of the FBI, I'm just going to I am going as long as they keep lying, I'm going to keep telling the truth. Antifa does not exist. The head of the FBI, a Republican, Christopher Wray, testified before Congress under oath and said Antifa is an ideology. It is not a protest movement. It is, it is not an organized movement, which means the people dressed as Antifa are fa. They're, they're posing as Antifa, but they're fa. Fascists. Anyway, I was talking about uh, this guy, this fascist, Donald Trump. That's him getting off the plane to go uh, get arrested. 
And Trump was arrested on Thursday. Sorry, people complain when they can hear me sipping water. I apologize. Um, Trump was arrested on Thursday. It is important to use the word arrested. He was arrested. Just because he agreed to a voluntary surrender and was released under his own recognizance, it doesn't mean he wasn't arrested on Thursday. The same way he was arrested June 13th in Miami, the same way he was arrested on April 4th in Manhattan, and the same way this pasty-ass reprobate is going to be arrested at the end of this month in Fulton County, Georgia, where the local sheriff hinted this week that Donald Trump better be ready for his close-up because they're taking his mugshot. That's what the the uh, sheriff hinted at. He said, we do things differently here down in Georgia. He implied there are going to be no niceties here in Georgia. No, uh, this isn't Manhattan or Miami or Washington, D.C. When you get arrested for election interference down in Georgia, you're going to get a mugshot. You're going to be fully processed, not just fingerprinted. There's going to be a mugshot. So... Let's get something clear here about the words we use, because words are very important. Donald Trump now has an arrest record. He has now been arrested three times, which means the next time he gets pulled over for a busted taillight, the cop is going to run his license, see that he has an arrest record. No convictions. All you need is an arrest record. And he's going to hear from the cop. I'm sorry, Mr. Trump, we have to take you in so you can spend a night in jail in order for us to add a fourth arrest to your record and get you into a perpetual cycle of debt with outstanding bench warrants so we can pay our bills here in Bedminster, New Jersey, because that's how the cops help cities like Bedminster, New Jersey, pay their bills. You arrest people with arrest records. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Trump, you're white. My mistake. Uh, here's a fix-it ticket. That's how it goes. If you're, you're uh, black. Donald Trump has been arrested three times. He has an arrest record. You have to start saying that. Don't let them sugarcoat what's going on. Don't let anybody say he was arraigned on Thursday. He was arrested and then he was arraigned. It doesn't matter that it was a voluntary surrender. Donald Trump was in police custody on Thursday. That meant he was arrested. Again, the fact that he showed up voluntarily doesn't diminish the fact that he was arrested, fingerprinted, and then arraigned before a federal magistrate. He was not free to leave the building until the terms of his release had been clarified by the judge. I cannot stress this enough. For the third time in six months... Donald Trump was under police custody, fingerprinted, arrested, and not free to leave the building. He wasn't handcuffed to a radiator 
waiting three hours to have his Miranda rights read to him, like what happened to me in Washington, D.C. last year. But he was not a free man until the presiding judge released him on his own recognizance. Arrested. Okay, and more importantly, there was no rioting in the streets, no rioting in the streets. We didn't see thousands of truckers. They didn't invade Washington, D.C. and block the streets and come to his rescue like they did for Pinochet in Chile or like they tried to do in Canada. It was perfectly calm in Washington, D.C., perfectly calm. We kept hearing Donald Trump say, if I get arrested, it'll tear the nation apart. I'm afraid what my supporters will do. Yes, you should be afraid of what your supporters will do. Nothing. They did nothing. Nothing happened. The world kept spinning. Donald Trump was arrested and the world kept spinning. The stock market barely moved on Thursday. A United States president has been arrested. That's that's going to devastate the bond market. It's going to devastate the stock. Stock market didn't care. Right. He warned my arrest will tear this country apart. What happened on Thursday? Crickets. Nothing but crickets. Just like the Cobb salad at Trump's Doral Hotel in Miami. Crickets and cockroaches a few rancid shreds of lettuce, some bed bugs, and a paramecium-infested dose of Russian dressing. That is the Cobb salad at the Doral Hotel in Miami, owned by Donald Trump. But don't take my word for it. Read the health inspector report on Donald Trump's bed bug-infested Doral Hotel. Stock market was down a few points Thursday. Had nothing to do with Donald Trump. Apple, if you're interested, reporting earnings that fell short of analyst expectations. And so Apple went down on Thursday. And because Apple is weighted so heavily in the Dow Jones and the S&P 500, it drags the entire market down with it. That's why the market ticked down a little on Thursday Nobody cares about Donald Trump anymore. Most importantly, and I should point this out, the reason the market is a little down this week is because Republicans keep threatening not to raise the debt ceiling. And so the credit rating agency, Fitch, ended up downgrading American bond, bonds from triple A to double A. Fitch downgraded American bonds from triple A to double A. And why do they do that? In their analyst report, they blame Washington's inability to govern. That's what Fitch said. The credit worthiness of American bonds is jeopardized by Republicans who won't stop threatening America's credit worthiness by, you know, they keep threatening to shut the government down, which means the government won't meet its financial obligation to the people who buy the debt we rack up by Republicans who refuse to stop giving tax cuts to billionaires. And guess what? Republicans are happy. They're happy. Our bond rating got downgraded. That's what they wanted. 
Now they get to claim under Joe Biden, the credit worthiness of the American government was downgraded the same way it was downgraded under Obama. That's what Republicans do. They play games with the budget when a Democrat is in office. They hold up the budget process and threaten government shutdowns, which wreaks havoc on the credit worthiness of our Treasury bonds. And then they turn around and say, see what happens when there's a Democrat in the White House? Yeah, when there's a Democrat in the White House, Republicans in Congress score cheap political points by destroying our nation's credit rating in order to blame the Democrats. While at the same time, those same Republicans, they take credit for federally funded infrastructure bills that bring jobs to their districts, even though these Republicans said we couldn't afford it and voted against it. That's why the market ticked slightly down on Thursday and is down this week because Republicans are irresponsibly dangerous fascists who are convinced the worse they make things for the rest of us, the quicker Jesus returns. And by the way, that is the real problem. It's greed at the tippy top and then the imbeciles who are trying to set the stage for the second coming of Christ. Climate change, gun violence, people living in the streets, no health care. People at the tippy top, the billionaires and the crazy apocalyptic Christians inside the Republican Party who think they're setting the stage for Jesus's return. But we have to dance around that issue. That's impolite, right? We can't talk about the crazy apocalyptic uh, Jesus freaks running the Republican Party. We have to dance around that issue and pretend it's about polarization and we just can't communicate with these people. And there's like a Republican brain and a Democratic brain. And we should figure out the way to bridge the gap. Now, uh, the Republican Party is controlled by billionaires and theocratic fascists who are slowly turning our government into an apocalyptic death cult. But you can't say that because we have to respect everybody's religious freedom. You have to let everyone worship their deity as they see fit. And my deity says don't bake cakes for gay people. And my deity also says we need to wipe the planet clean of humanity to pave the way for Jesus. Please respect my religious beliefs, won't you? No. You're a psychopath. Um, I was raised, you know, you got to respect everybody's religious beliefs. Well, I did. And then they took advantage of my respect. Some religious beliefs are worthy of contempt. Speaking of contempt, back to Donald Trump. Uh, Trump getting arrested. Nobody cares. In fact, the dirty, dark secret is everyone wants Trump arrested. Everyone, everybody, except Trump. Obviously, the Democrats want him arrested, but the Republicans want him arrested as well, especially Republicans. Republicans are too terrified to say it out loud, but of course they want Trump to go away. They want him locked up. They're terrified of him. He's a bully, a dangerous bully. We saw what he did to Mike Pence. 
Uh, ask Lindsey Graham, ask any Republican member of Congress. They're all terrified of Donald Trump. They're terrified that he'll primary them. And this is underreported. When you talk to Republican lawmakers, they will privately admit they fear for their own lives if they go against him. Since he became president, there are two types of Republicans, those who quit Congress and those who keep their mouths shut because they're afraid of what his imbeciles are capable of. I am not making that up. Republicans are secretly afraid for their lives if they go up against Donald Trump, which is why Kevin McCarthy, you know, when you call somebody on their own bullshit, they freak out. Try it. If you can, if you, if you look at somebody and we all have our own bullshit, there's, you know, there's one thing, some self-delusion that keeps us going. And if you get called on it, you completely snap and if you call Kevin McCarthy a pussy, which he is, he'll threaten to punch you, right? What Congressman Swalwell, and he almost went, went at it. Kevin McCarthy is a pussy. He is terrified by, I know that's an offensive term, but in the way Republicans use that word, he is terrified of Donald Trump. And you call him that, he'll freak out. By the way, try that uh, as an experiment when you're talking to your crazy uncle. I, I learned this. Uh, I've worked for a lot of bullies and they isolate two things. They isolate the thing you're most ashamed of and then they use that as a cudgel. But the really good ones, and I had one boss who was amazing at this. Uh, he was uh, vicious, but he had a level of empathy that allowed him to to dig into your psyche and find your bullshit, that the narrative you tell yourself that helps you get through the day, right? The, the, the thing, the structure of your uh, worldview, uh, the lie that you tell yourself about yourself. And if you can figure that out and it's somebody else, uh, you can make them writhe on the floor and curl up in a fetal position and they're gone. I've watched. It's been done to me. Uh, I'm not proud of this, but I've occasionally I'm a little old. I've had some experiences in life. I've occasionally called people on their bullshit. It's not physical. It's just a psychological game and they crumble and do it to Republicans. You need to, you know, uh, don't argue with them. Hit them below the belt where nothing's hard, which is why they're Republicans. Uh, well, the Republicans, they're terrified of Donald Trump and they want him gone. Uh, everyone wants Donald Trump to go to jail, even Trump's fans, even the people who vote for Donald Trump want him to go to prison because they're so desensitized and bored that his going to prison would be the only thing that excites them. Trump has to give them a show and they've seen everything from him except 
going to prison. Nobody wants Trump behind bars more than his biggest supporters, because that's the only thing that will get their chunky, saturated, fat infused blood boiling. They need Trump to go to prison. Also to prove the larger point that there is a deep, dark state, that it's real and it's out to get him and everybody else. If he doesn't go to prison, then there's no deep, dark state. They, they need him to go to prison to prove their worldview is correct. Everybody wants Donald Trump in prison, his supporters, his family, the Republicans, everyone except Trump, everyone. He's in a bad place. Uh, these are the final days for Donald Trump, right? You know, he's going to be 80 in a couple of years. These are Trump's final days. He's in a bad place and it's going to get worse for him. I promise you. It may also get worse for us. But it's going to get it's also going to get worse for Trump because we're talking about a sociopathic criminal. And it takes a long time until things sink in for a sociopath, especially one who's a criminal. But things do eventually sink in. Not completely, but they sink in just enough for these sociopaths to start becoming more desperate and more dangerous. This is now his third arrest. And there will be a fourth arrest in Georgia, probably at the end of August. And when a criminal sociopath like Donald Trump gets arrested twice in the federal system, then once in Manhattan and pretty soon in Fulton County, Georgia, that sociopathic criminal mind, which Trump possesses, that criminal mind begins to recalibrate. The sociopath's mind, when the situation changes, must recalibrate for the sake of survival, because the reason Donald Trump is a sociopath is that is his coping mechanism for the way he was born and the way he was raised. So this is all about survival. He's a sociopath, partly because that's how he learned to survive. Sociopaths are obsessed with their own survival. And it's also how they justify their criminal behavior. It's how they sleep at night. Donald Trump sleeps at night. He says, it's a tough world out there. And I did what I had to do to survive. He's in, he's not there yet, but he's very close to recalibrating his survival instinct. He's a couple of weeks away. I think it'll be in the autumn when he goes into full bore survival mode. And that's when he's, the most dangerous. Right now, there are cracks in his mirror. He's starting to see himself just a little bit differently. This makes him dangerous. His motherboard is short-circuiting because it's recognizing cracks in the narrative. It's recognizing a dissonance between his perceived reality and actual reality. Right. When you get arrested three times in six months, it starts to sink in just enough that there may be another reality. There may be another narrative besides the lies I tell myself. 
The reason he's so dangerous, I think to himself, is he's all alone. He has never been this alone before. He is all alone. He's got nobody to talk to because there's no talking to him. He's the expert, right? He's got to be the smartest guy in the room, right? He's going he's gonna to end up being his own lawyer. He may keep the lawyers as window dressing, but he's going to do his own lawyering. And that is going to be funny. This, this is, he's going to be very dangerous. But the question is, and I think this starts in the fall, who is he more dangerous to? Himself or America or both? Trump is right on the precipice. He is teetering into the abyss of full-blown insanity. He is a sociopath who is beginning to realize he's all alone. He's in a movable, solitary confinement. The only people around him, and he knows this, are paid sycophants who he openly detests because he knows they're using him. All he really has is his mob, right? The, the crowd of stupefied supporters, the imbeciles. But they're not real. That's why he holds on to all those boxes. That's why he wouldn't surrender his boxes to the National Archives. His obsession with those boxes? What is that about? What is that about? All those boxes with classified material? You do remember that he would travel with his boxes. Who does that? If he was leaving Mar-a-Lago to go to Bedminster, they would have to pack a couple of those boxes with them. Uh, they were called, I'm not making this up, his beautiful mind boxes. My beautiful mind boxes. And he would calm himself down by going through them on the plane. He, he traveled with those boxes like they were a security blanket. They're, they're filled with clippings, souvenirs, and war plans for Iran. <laughs> right? And that comforted this very sick man. That's where he found his comfort, through his beautiful mind boxes. This is a very sick... He's a rapist, right? The, the jury, the judge wrote he was found guilty of rape. But because of the penal code in New York, the, the jury in the civil suit, in the E. Jean Carroll civil suit, because of the constraints in the penal code of New York, they had to rule that he sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. But the jury concluded that he raped her. He's a rapist. He's a very... I mean, he is, he's a rapist. What more do you need to say about Donald Trump? The man is a rapist. And he doesn't know what real love is. He's not capable of real love or receiving real love. And he surrounds himself with things that are substitutes for real connections. And, and it, because he's getting lonelier and lonelier and more isolated 
All he's got are his beautiful mind boxes. That's what he's got to comfort him. The beautiful mind boxes. Why? Well, it proved his self-worth. It was the only thing he had that could genuinely prove his self-worth. It's the only those beautiful mind boxes are the only tangible he could touch that seemed real to him because everything else is fake. Everything and everyone around Donald Trump is fake, except his beautiful mind boxes. The homes he lives in might have his name on it, but he owes money on all his homes. They're not his homes. He has no money. He makes money. He makes money, but he has no money. Everything he earns goes right out the door to pay down debt to either foreign banks or more ominously, Russian mobsters who will have him killed if he doesn't keep paying them back all the money he owes them. Donald Trump has no one and nothing except his beautiful mind boxes, the souvenirs, the clippings, and the Iran, <laughs> the war plans with Iran, the war plans with Iran comfort him at night. Uh, he would not give up his beautiful mind box. It reminds me, we used to have cats. When I would change their box, their cat box, they would freak out. Like, what is happening? What are you doing? They would panic. And, and I kind of think uh, there's something wrong with Trump's toilet training and those beautiful mind boxes. Well, anyway, are the only tangible proof of his existence the same way. All right, I won't go there. Uh, these are the end days for Donald Trump. Probably America as well, but you can take solace in the knowledge that we're going down, but we're bringing Trump with us, or he's bringing us with him. These are the end days for Donald Trump. He hates himself. His wife hates him. His children hate him. Every single employee hates him. His lawyers hate him. His party hates him. And America hates him. Right? New York City hates him. You get to know Donald Trump, you hate him. Anybody from New York? Everybody in New York is home. Can you imagine being hated in your hometown? If you can get hated here, you can get hated anywhere. He knows that. He knows that the only people who love him right now are the people he hates. The ignorant, chain-smoking rubes and tank tops with both feet in the grave, who he would never let anywhere near his casinos or Trump Tower. The people who, the mob that loves him, who shows up to his rallies, he wouldn't allow them in Trump Tower or one of his casinos. He detests them. It really is like a bad episode of The Twilight Zone. The only people who love Donald Trump are the very same people he has nothing but contempt for. You think he likes playing Alabama? He's a New Yorker. 
What New Yorker wants to be a hit in Alabama because he can't make it in New York, Chicago, or California? Donald Trump's career is the 11 a.m. show in Branson, Missouri. That's what it's become. He lives on Fifth Avenue. So you think he wants to play Des Moines, Iowa? That's a step below cruise ships. He knows that. And he's beginning to realize his followers, that mob, you know, who will follow him to the ends of the earth. And by that, I mean Branson, Missouri. (laughs) His followers are getting bored with him. It's getting old because he's getting old and the crowds are getting thinner. Not the people who show up. They're not getting thinner. I'm talking about the size of the crowd. That's getting thinner. And his calls for an insurrection, they're not as resounding as they were the last time on January 6th. That's kind of what happens when we have a government that finally does its job and arrests 1,200 of Trump's Caucasian imbeciles and starts locking them up. This is what real law and order looks like. Law and order isn't shooting unarmed black men in the back. It's locking up the heavily armed white racist lunatics, many of whom are ex-cops or still cops or former members of the military or still members of the military who stormed our capital. Locking them up, as well as the lawyers who tricked them into an insurrection, that's law and order. So these are the end days for Donald Trump. There will be no rioting in the streets when Donald Trump is sent to prison. Go ahead. Try it. His followers... Oh, they believe his lies, but they're no longer willing to die or get arrested for them. You know, they say you can't change someone's mind. Really? Lock up a couple of thousand low information Confederate flag toting crypto fascists. You'd be amazed at how quickly you can change someone's mind. Nobody was there on Thursday to show support for Donald. Where was MAGA? Because his time has passed, and these are the end days for Donald Trump. That's why there were more members of the media outside the federal courthouse on Thursday than there were MAGA supporters. Now, yes, Trump is leading in the polls, in the Republican polls. But Iowa is almost six months away. There are a lot of arrests and convictions That can happen between now and then. And those debates, with or without him, are going to be a bloodbath. Those Republican debates, it's not going to be 2016 talking about the size of Marco Rubio's hands. Those debates are going to be a bloodbath. Chris Christie is going to mop the floor. He's going to eat Donald Trump's lunch. (laughs) Chris Christie in those debates is going to eat Donald Trump's lunch. Those debates, I promise you, are going to leave a bad taste in the mouths of all the Republicans 
who don't support Trump and felt the wrath of his mob. You see it at these turning points conferences, these big Republican conferences or in Des Moines where you have these where all the Republican candidates get up to speak and Trump's imbeciles boo and humiliate his opponents. That leaves a bad taste in people's mouths, and they're not going to be so keen uh, supporting him when the general election comes around. And don't forget the death threats. Don't forget the death threats. It's not just Fawny Willis, the, the DA, the African-American DA in Fulton County who's getting death threats. His supporters have nothing better to do than phone in anonymous death threats or scream at Lindsey Graham at the airport. As I say, Republicans are terrified of Trump, physically terrified. And so because they're Republicans and cowards, they will cower. They will quietly back away from Trump and the party. If he gets the nomination, they're, they're going to say not not this year. Biden wins. It'll be ugly. He won't. He'll win ugly. These elections tend to tighten up when you get close to the general. It will be ugly. But Biden, I think, will win uh, if Trump gets the nomination, because a lot of Republicans will tell pollsters they're voting for him, but they'll stay home on Election Day. They won't admit it, but they won't. They won't vote for him. Only a Cretan would vote for Trump in the general election. Now, America has more Cretans than we know what to do with, but we don't have enough to give Trump another four years, thankfully. He's still trying to convince everyone that he's, you know, don't mess with me. I'm a threat to the the system. And he still thinks he can beat these indictments. But with each arrest, he's less certain of that than he was before. He is now completely isolated and it's no longer fun. It's no longer a good time. It's no longer a hoot and a goof to see how far we can get with this. His friends and family are no longer coming along for the ride. They're not on the plane because they know where the ride ends in bankruptcy court with millions and millions in legal bills. He's got nobody. Not a single associate will testify on his behalf. So there's going to be that moment. It's going to happen. I believe late September, early October, when he pivots from being a threat to democracy to being a threat to himself. I'm not saying suicide. Uh, I think the way it unfolds is he will lash out at his own lawyers he will blame them for his entire legal morass. Think Hitler in the bunker blaming his generals. That's not an exaggeration. Think Hitler in the bunker blaming his generals. In the autumn, we're, uh, we're going to enter Trump's bunker phase, where Trump is only surrounded by paid loyalists and they're brand new. Because all the older paid loyalists are working with Jack Smith to stay out of prison. And these new paid loyalists, they, they're not as smart as the old paid loyalists. How could they be? 
How stupid do you have to be to, to become a Trump loyalist, a paid Trump loyalist now, given what all his former paid loyalists have gone through for participating in, in the first presidential campaign of his? You would have to be so incompetent, so stupid to be one of Trump's paid loyalists today. You blocks, you stones, you worse than senseless things. Knew ye not Michael Cohn, Alan Weisselberg? Knew ye not the millions of dollars in legal fees and pardons racked up by Roger Stone and Steve Bannon? Knew ye not Alan Dershowitz, who's all alone on Martha's Vineyard this morning because he defended Trump? You idiots. It doesn't end well. Everybody knows that except the idiots pumping Trump up. I mean, how dumb is his legal team? What lawyer? You you can't you, you have to be a lawyer with no reputation to lose in order to be Donald Trump's lawyer. These people he's surrounded by are the bottom of the barrel, the dumbest of the dumb. You don't see Ivanka. You don't see Jared. They got out with their two billion dollars from Saudi Arabia. You know who Donald, I'll tell you how bad things are for Donald Trump. You know who he's leaning on? Don Jr. Don Jr. is now one of his top advisors. That is the same kid who Donald Trump Sr. used to say about, quote, I can't believe I gave this idiot my first name. I'm not making that up. Donald Trump used to say in front of Don Jr., I can't believe I gave this idiot my first name. And he would say that in front of the other people at Trump Org. Right. And then you wonder why Don Jr. goes off on safari in Africa and kills endangered species. And now the idiot, the guy he knows who's an idiot, his own son, he's leaning on that idiot for advice because that's all he's got left. Idiots like Don Jr., or as I refer to him, the backwash in the can of Diet Coke. All he's got is the mob, not the mafia mob. He just owes them money. All he's got are the the mob of imbeciles and they can't save him. Nobody can save him. These are the end days for Donald Trump. He's gotten older. He's lost a step. You see it in his speeches. He used to be, he still is incredible. He really is. I mean, he is amazing. But he's lost a step. He's misspeaking. He's using the wrong words. He's slowly realizing he's cornered, alone. But it can't be his fault. That's the pathology. It cannot be his fault. And that's what makes him such a danger to himself. He cannot admit he screwed up. Instead, everybody let him down. Everybody failed him, his lawyers, his family. And then, and this is where it's going to get really interesting, his supporters. In the fall, soon the only people he has left to blame are his supporters, the mob, 
Where is everyone? Why, why didn't they show up for my rally? Why is this place half full? Why aren't they protesting outside the courtroom? Well, they're making a fool out of me. I kept warning that indicted, indicting me and putting me on trial would be bad for the country. Where is everybody making it bad for the country? It's not happening. And that, when he realizes that his supporters have failed him, that's when he snaps on stage. Because he has snapped in the past on stage, but never at his supporters. I think this fall, when the season turns, Trump turns on his crowd. He will feel the wall closing in on him. Some bad debates rattled by Chris Christie, the mounting legal bills, the exhaustion from balancing a campaign and all these trials and being all alone with nobody to lean on, with his world getting tinier and tinier, and the only people he's got left to abuse are his voters. That's it. He has to abuse somebody. Everybody else has abandoned him. They're, you know, putting up boundaries for their own mental health. He will start snapping at the crowd, at the rallies. He will say something. He's got a vicious, vicious temper. And he's, he's, he's exposed everybody to his vicious temper except his crowd. In the fall, he's going to snap and turn on his crowd. It will be his lonesome roads moment from facing the crowd. He will say something and his crowd will smell his weakness, and they will turn on him because the last thing Donald Trump can show them is vulnerability. Now, some will stick with him, right? But by the end of the year, he'll see that he can't draw the crowds he used to, and he'll be making mistakes on stage, in the debates, in front of his crowds, at the rallies, and those mistakes will become amplified. He, this is not the same Trump who ran in 2016. He can't get away with it this time. And I believe by the time the Iowa caucus rolls around, Mike Pence, DeSantis, will summon the courage to have something like a 25th Amendment moment. And Republicans will gather in a room and say, this guy is out of his effing mind. And I think if the Republicans are smart, if they want to save the party and our country, I'm not sure they will do this. I think, I hope that they will agree that everybody has to drop out except one person. And we all need to throw our weight behind that one person to defeat Donald Trump. They did that. The Democrats did that in 2020. It was grotesque. The Democrats all dropped out in 2020 and threw their support behind Joe Biden because they were terrified Bernie was about to get the nomination. Remember that? Remember Obama and Clinton got on the phone with Clyburn in South Carolina and said, Bernie's going to win this thing. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg, who had more uh delegates than Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden wasn't, nobody was voting for Joe Biden, but you know, 
Obama and Clinton put their thumb on the scale and said, it can't be Bernie. And they all got behind Joe. Who I voted for. Yeah. Um, And I'll vote for him again. But he's not Bernie. So if the Republicans come to their senses, perhaps they will do what the Democrats did in 2020. They'll do to Trump what the Democrats did to Bernie. I think, and again, I'm probably wrong, they'll pick Chris Christie or Mike Pence. I think Mike Pence, uh, he may not even have enough uh, uh, contributions to make the debate stage in August. But, you know, remember Biden? He, he wasn't doing too great either early on. I think there's still a Republican establishment that can get behind Mike Pence, especially in Iowa. Rick Santorum won Iowa in 2012. You have a lot of pro-life evangelicals who uh, don't know that Rick Santorum and uh, Mike Pence are Catholic. I think uh, Mike Pence can actually win in Iowa or Chris Christie. I think Chris Christie, who I can't stand, uh, I think Chris Christie is looking pretty good for, you know, as far as Republican blowhards go. Uh, I think either one of them could get the nomination and run as sacrificial lambs. Maybe, you know, Chris Christie and Mike, maybe Chris Christie is vice president. He's a good attack dog. You know, they always pick a vice president to be an attack dog. Mike Pence, and he picks Chris Christie as his vice president. Uh, and I think they would run as sacrificial lambs, give it their best shot. But no, they're just placeholders for the Republicans in order to purge themselves of Donald Trump and, you know, wait another four years so Republicans can finally get back to being what they used to be, racist authoritarians who serve the billionaires and the uh, psychotic Christian evangelicals and rip off the American people and the government, but without Trump, you know, get back to the core of who they really are, racist, money grubbing bigots without Donald Trump. Uh, I think I got to wrap it up. I don't know if you know this, but I am obsessed now with this trial. This is uh, this is not good, by the way. I mean, I spent the morning uh, writing a legal brief outlining how I would (laughs) defend Donald Trump. And I almost presented it to you this morning. I almost did that. Uh, I think the fourth indictment in Georgia, I think that sets him off. I think that's when his legal teams start quitting. That's when no lawyer will defend him. Because in the end, and we forget this, Donald Trump was, is, and always has been self-destructive. He's always been a loser. You know, I always say he's indefatigable and somehow he always survives and ends up on his feet. No, he did not really. He's a loser. 
he always self-destruct, always. You know, he makes a lot of money, but he loses it all on risky investments or paying back the billions and billions and billions he owes to those Russian gangsters, right? Money goes in, money goes out. He's a money launderer. He's a loser. He is a loser. He lost in 2016, at least the popular vote. He lost in 2020. After 2020, before January 6, he lost 61 court challenges. He can't win in the courts. He lost to E. Jean Carroll this year. He lost the civil lawsuit against Trump University. He lost the New York State lawsuit, which bans him now from ever running a charity, as well as his kids. He loses in court. Uh, he loses all the time. But this time, he's going to lose in a criminal trial. This is different. And he knows that. It's why he was so morose Thursday during his arrest, during his arrest. This is a criminal trial. He will have four criminal trials going at the same time. Think about this. Four criminal trials. We're not talking fines. We're talking prison. And when a sociopath's perceived reality is completely shattered, someone has to pay. And I think this time it's Trump who has to pay. Trump is going to make himself pay. He won't want to, but he is self-destructive. And he is the only one left to lash out at. He can lash out at his audience, but in the, those quiet moments alone, there's nobody to lash out at except himself. Think of every abusive person you know. We all have them in our lives. Think of your abusive bosses. Think of abusive relationships. You know, you try to establish boundaries with these people and you, you pull back. And what happens? Well, they find somebody else to abuse. Uh, but eventually, uh, they run out of people to abuse. So they abuse themselves. And this is where Trump is right now. He's radioactive. Only an idiot, only an idiot would be one of his servile sycophants right now. Everybody has pulled away. There's nobody left to blame but himself. He can't stop being abusive. What's going to happen is he's going to get even more abusive, but only to himself. That's why solitary confinement drives people insane. You're, you're just alone with your thoughts and your self-abuse. He's cornered. Trust me, yesterday, Thursday, that moment when he was politely fingerprinted, when he looked around and realized, I'm under arrest, I am trapped, I cannot leave this building until the judge gives me permission to, you go through that experience three times in six months and a fourth time in Georgia later this month, you slowly begin to realize, not completely, but just enough, you, you slowly begin to realize, oh, wait, 
This is now my life. This is now my life. And then he's going to think, my father Fred was right. That's the thoughts that are rattling around his head. My father Fred was right. Everything he called me before sending me off to military school, everything he said about me as he dumped me off at that military school, everything he called me, he was right. I'm no good. Daddy was right. Donald Trump, alone in Mar-a-Lago, and then alone in his prison cell, all alone, the abusive ghosts of Fred Trump will haunt him. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. We're shipping you off to military school because you sicken me. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. We're shipping you off to military school because you sicken me. You're a loser. Those are the thoughts that rattle around that brain. That's been rattling around Donald Trump's aluminum-ravaged brain since he was 12. And it will keep getting louder when he's in prison. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. Alone in his prison cell, Donald Trump will hear, you're stupid, you're weak, you're no good. He'll look around that prison cell. He'll look for someone to find, someone he can dominate, to humiliate, to prove his father wrong. But there won't be anybody to humiliate. It's just him alone in his prison cell with just the sound of his father's voice. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. Trump, all alone. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. The voice of Fred Trump rattling around in his brain. You're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. We're sending you off to military school because you're stupid. You're weak. You're no good. Donald Trump all alone in his prison cell late at night. The guards in the room next door sound asleep. The surveillance cameras mysteriously turned off. And just Donald Trump alone with the voices in his head and Jeffrey Epstein's old bedsheets to wrap savagely around his neck. I'm David Feldman reminding you to uh, stay strong and protect the weak. Uh, whew, I want to smoke a cigarette after that. <laughs> I wish my mother was alive to hear this. <laughs> This would have. Uh, I wish my mother were alive to see Donald Trump go to prison. That's. Ah. Uh...
thank you. It is a privilege to uh, pleasure myself that way in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs>